Hello and welcome to Forgotten Sitcoms. Today we are looking at After Henry, which was quite a huge and rare hit sitcom for ITV back in the 80s, but is now almost completely erased from the collective memory. After Henry actually started out life as a BBC sitcom on Radio 4. This has been a breeding ground for many a TV success, though perhaps more in the realm of sketch comedy than sitcom. However, the BBC weren't interested in a transfer to television, and listening to the show, it's pretty clear to see why. For a start, this wasn't recorded in front of an audience, and they haven't even put a fake laugh track on it, so there's just no energy in the room whatsoever. It's also not funny. And I don't mean that the jokes don't work, there just aren't any jokes. I think calling this a comedy is a serious stretch. It's more of a drama with occasional light-hearted moments. Now, of course, when I say drama, I don't mean to imply anything dramatic ever happens. Nothing ever happens. It's like a less intense version of The Archers. So, you're staying in this evening? Yes. Ernest Moore's coming round to my flat for a spot of supper later. So you said. You'd be welcome to drop in. You needn't worry that you'd be interrupting anything. It never occurred to me that I would be. And what, may I ask, do you mean by that? Nothing. No, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't... Absolutely nothing. Good. But, OK, that's the radio show. And, yeah, I've only listened to a few episodes, so maybe it found its feet as it went along. Let's get into the TV show. It was actually Thames TV who picked up the mantle of After Henry and transferred it to television in 1988, after three years on the radio. There were a couple of cast changes, but they retained the small feel of both cast and situation. So, what is the show actually about? After Henry centres around Sarah France, played by Prinella Scales, who is still dealing with the aftermath of the death of her husband Henry a couple of years earlier. So the basic premise is a woman in her 40s having to rebuild her life after such a dramatic change to her expected future. She lives in a house with her 18-year-old daughter and her mother, who is in her 70s. That's right, the main three characters are all women. And this is in the 80s, it's pretty groundbreaking stuff. And to be fair, this is actually a really great setup. Three generations under one roof, all with their different social and cultural positions clashing with each other. Hilarity will surely ensue. No. There is no hilarity. They have actually got an audience, for the recordings at least, but they quite rightly don't laugh at anything, so they've had to sweeten up in post with a laugh track. But then again, even the sound designer knows he can't over to commit to that, and he must have got repetitive strain injury from hitting the polite titter button so often. Good morning, Mother. Come in. Good morning, Sarah, dear. I wondered if I could borrow, borrow some. some. Yes. What? How about milk? <laughs> How about it? Yes, of course you can. In spite of the fact that I know you have three full pints in your fridge. <laughs> Why not borrow some coffee as well? And a mug. And a chair. <laughs> the real problem with After Henry is that nothing ever happens. Sarah is the embodiment of middle-class Britain. She doesn't have any real problems in life, so she has to make a big deal out of the small things, but then she's too polite to actually talk about any of them, so it never goes anywhere. What about her dead husband, though? Yeah, you'd think that could provide some kind of emotional turmoil, perhaps even drive the occasional plotline, but no. 
despite being in the title, the loss of her husband is only really dealt with in an extremely superficial way, with lines like, Oh, I don't know how to bleed a radiator. If only Henry was here, he always dealt with those kind of things. And that's not an actual quote, by the way. The show never gets as exciting as bleeding radiators. And with Prunella Scales as Sarah, you'd think you'd be in pretty safe hands. She's got sitcom lineage going back to marriage lines with Richard Briers, and of course is still today best known as Sybil Fawlty. But even her performance isn't adding anything here. In fact, I'd go so far as to say she's the weakest link in the cast. Yes, the material is terrible, but performance is also lacking, and there's so many examples of lines just not landing because the timing is off. It, it all feels under-rehearsed and under-directed, which is the exact opposite of Faulty Towers, for example. And that's all the more weird, given that this show had been running for three years before it even got to television. The first series is really awful, but it does seem to find its rhythm a bit more by the second series, how does that happen when you are literally reusing scripts that you've already done? Surely you've already worked out all the kinks. The second series seems to be deliberately going for more actual jokes, although I am using that relatively, and they start to throw in some plot. They introduce Edward D'Souza as a will-they-won't-they -they love interest, and I actually quite like how they use this character. Just drop him in occasionally without building it up too much. Of course, there's no climax to it, so it's still ultimately frustrating, right? but perhaps that is a deliberate metaphor for Sarah's sex life. The second most important member of the cast is Joan Sanderson, playing Sarah's mother, Eleanor. Eleanor is the classic Harridan mother-in-law character, constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses and holding control over her daughter by belittling her at every given opportunity. And she really is a nasty piece of work. She's not quite as psychopathically evil as Phyllis Lumsden in Sorry, but she is still unapologetically unpleasant. In fact, I would say that this is the level that Sorry was aiming for, certainly should have been aiming for, but then they obviously felt like they had to overplay it for comedy's sake. So maybe After Henry is what you get when you try and do that with no attempt at humour whatsoever. I'm not sure which one's worse, to be honest. But despite the unpleasant character, Joan Sanderson is clearly enjoying herself as Eleanor, and that is one of the few things that comes across as a positive. Sanderson had already enjoyed a fruitful career on both stage and screen, and her most notable sitcom credits were as a series regular in Please Sir, and a very memorable appearance in Faulty Towers. Her physical frame and abrasive voice led her to most often play belligerent, domineering types, and Eleanor is very much her swan song. During the last series of After Henry, she is noticeably thinner and spends the vast majority of her scenes sat down. She died shortly after filming was completed, but before the final series was broadcast. And perhaps this ill health also led to a lack of rehearsal time, which may explain why things don't always flow as well as they should. Eleanor has her own little sidekick in the character of Vera Pauling, who herself underwent radical change. In the first series, she is friends with Eleanor in name only, and they're really rivals for society attention, with Vera often getting the upper hand due to her greater wealth and breeding, but Eleanor trumping her with more general independence, despite her jealousy. But by the second series, Vera has become more of a simple-minded lackey, Eleanor's yes-man who is drawn into her gossiping schemes, and this significant character change comes along with an actor change, prompted by the death of the original actor Fanny Rowe. Why they didn't just create a brand new character, I couldn't tell you. It just creates a strange inconsistency. And even after the second series, the Vera Pauling character occasionally vacillates back to the old style, presumably because they were reusing the old radio scripts, which leaned more into that rivalry relationship. And they do reuse a lot of the radio scripts. In fact, strangely, the radio series continued to run 
even though the television version was now being broadcast on a different channel. Perhaps buoyed by the rating success of the first TV series, the radio show was recommissioned for its fourth series, and the two ran simultaneously for a while, with those episodes later being converted to TV, just like all the rest. No idea what the right situation to all that was, but it sounds a little bit messy. So the person responsible for all this rehashing of material was Simon Brett, the creator and writer of After Henry. And I know what you're thinking. Simon sounds like an awfully masculine name to be writing a show about women. Well, yes, he is a man. And perhaps that is one of the reasons why these characters don't feel like they're coming from a place of truth or ever really tackle the sort of problems faced by a modern 80s woman. Like, for example, the daughter, Claire, is being very blatantly and openly sexually harassed at work in one episode, and she solves that by judo-throwing her boss across a room. Yeah, things like that. Really genuine, relatable material. I mean, the best thing you can say about Simon Brett is that the man knows how to churn stuff out. His career is mostly made up of writing detective novels, and he's produced over 70 of them in his 45-year career, not to mention many other books and plays and screenplays. I get a really strong quantity over quality vibe with him, and, you know, that's not something I associate with artistic integrity particularly. Uh, playing the daughter, Claire, Janine Wood comes in, and she replaced Jerry Cowper from the radio show. Apparently this was because the character is 18, and Cowper was deemed too old to play the role. The strange thing about that is that there is no particular reason that Claire should be 18, and in fact does not look or act like any 18-year-old I've ever met. Claire lives semi-independently, has a secure job that she is forging into a career, and is pursuing romance with an eye on finding something long-term and settling down. Does that sound like an 18-year-old to you? Why even bother making her so young when you can just say, hey, she's 23? No one's got to question that. Or if you want to write an 18-year-old, surely that is because the very nature of an 18-year-old, the confusion and chaos that comes with being on the cusp of adulthood, is going to somehow bleed into the storyline, provide you with drama and, dare I say it, even comedy? This is a sitcom, right? Maybe it's not. Maybe someone accidentally put a laugh track on the first episode and they just had to roll with it. Uh, you know, Julian, if there's something you'd like to watch on the television... Oh, well... Channel 4's got this film of Aida on. Oh, have they? <laughs> you don't sound keen. Is it because you don't think opera works on television? Oh, um... Well, that, 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 that's a point of view, certainly. Uh, I mean, would your parents watch an opera on television? No. Oh. But then they wouldn't watch anything on television. <laughs> they won't have a television in the house. Oh... <laughs> I might even be tempted to think that the 18-year-old thing was an original idea that they just later abandoned. They do use it in the first episode as a plot point because she's seeing an older man, played by the legendary Peter Blake, and this obviously concerns her mother. Then the age isn't mentioned again, and any newcomer would just assume she's early to mid-twenties. I say I would think that if this wasn't an adaptation of a radio show that had already worked out any kinks like that before this script got anywhere near a screen. Well, let me ask you this. If your 19-year-old daughter told you she was giving up her job and her friends and their entire life and moving to Australia because her boyfriend has got a job over there, would you question that at all? Would you think that warranted some parental advice? Well, we'll never know if Sarah France felt that way because they managed to squeeze this major plot point in between series, meaning we only ever see the aftermath of that. So even when the characters actually do do something dramatic, they don't put it in the show! Anyway, Janine Wood is perfectly adequate as Claire and has gone on to have a perfectly adequate career since then in a range of TV roles. 
I did recently spot her making a brief appearance in The Inbetweeners, which is a far more realistic portrayal of teenagers played by people in their 20s. One more regular character that we need to address is Russell, who's played by Jonathan Newth in another cast change from the radio series. Russell is definitely one of the most likeable people in the show, but he has the privilege of being outside of the realm of conflict, if I may overstate the dramatic tension, as he is here to provide a confidant for Sarah. Russell is the proprietor of Bygone Books, an old-fashioned bookstore that is already anachronistic even in the 80s. He is technically Sarah's boss, but they are clearly very close friends, and he is often her shoulder to cry on. He doesn't really get much in the way of his own plot lines, but often plays a fundamental part in getting Sarah out of scrapes. Russell is also gay, and has a long-term, but unseen, partner called Bob. Now, fair play, that was a pretty big deal to put in a show in the 80s. And to my more modern eyes, the whole thing seems a little coquettish now. The, the actual G word isn't uttered until well into the second series, and the only time it actually gets confronted head-on is when Russell helps Sarah throw a dinner party and one of the guests makes repeated homophobic remarks. But even this doesn't really lead to anything apart from Russell is annoyed and everyone agrees that the man is quite unpleasant. I mean, at least spray him in the face with one of those seltzer spray things that were everywhere in the 70s. I'd like to celebrate the show for just having a gay character and not making a big deal out of it. In the 80s, that was a good thing to do, but it just feels like one more thing that could have been used to actually write a compelling script that is not taken advantage of, just like everything else. So let's recap. We have a character whose primary definition, it's in the title, is that she is a widow, and yet we rarely delve into the emotional consequences of that. We have an 18-year-old who doesn't do anything an 18-year-old would do, and we have a gay man in the 80s, but we never explore what it must be like to have been a gay man in the 80s. Every episode is just a series of missed opportunities to do something interesting. Not even funny, just give me interesting, and I'll take it. Eleanor is probably the best served of the characters, and I do feel like we often are confronted with the realities of getting old and not feeling part of society anymore. Eleanor sticks to her old ways because it's all she has left, and she belittles those around her to ensure they never have the strength to leave her on her own, which is what she really deserves. At least the writer gives us that, even if it is apparently one of the most overused tropes in sitcom. I can't even begin to fathom why After Henry was so popular, but it was. It picked up 14 million viewers in its first series, and it continued on for four years. It certainly has not stood the test of time, it's largely forgotten now, and deservedly so. Maybe that's because the audience for this doesn't exist anymore. The middle, middle class. It's for people whose biggest problem in life is which teacups to use when the vicar comes round. It's for people whose biggest social pressure is how well their jam is going to go down at the WI coffee morning. It's not a show you watch, it's something you have on in the background while you do some flower arranging. It is just completely, utterly banal and boring, and has absolutely nothing to say. But if you are interested, it is available on DVD from Network, so go and check that out if you feel the need, I wouldn't recommend it. But I would recommend that you go through the rest of our channel and find out about some more forgotten sitcoms. And maybe even check out the podcast as well as we do deep dives into the history of British sitcoms. Thank you for watching and please do come back next time.